I'm Catherine Byam, and with Nadine, we discuss her journey to build her career in Amazon over the last 16 years, and how she's evolved with the company, having to learn, pivot and grow based on her new insights and challenges. My parents very much encouraged me to find a real job because they couldn't understand what the online was about. Uh, kind of a funny story when you look back and where we are now propelling 16 years forward, right? Pushing two and a half million employees globally, completely different. When I started Amazon in Germany, we were less than 100 employees back then. So oh. very, very different. Everybody knew each other, very much connected. Um, yeah, and then... Uh, just grew within Amazon a lot, I would say, right? And then I was looking for a big career change. And, um, you know, I always call Amazon the candy store. There is so much that you can do here if you're whatever mm. your uh, passion is, right? My name is Catherine Ann Byam, and I'm your host. What's your purpose and how does it integrate with sustaining life itself? For some of us, this question is a deep ache that we spend a lifetime trying to find, perhaps shifting direction as we learn and grow from one path to another. For many of us, our children give us a clear definition. Providing for them becomes our reason for being. For others, it's about enjoying the present moment, ever so fleeting and ever so beautiful. For still others, it can be financial, status, contribution or impact. In this podcast, my guest and I will share with you tips, ideas, and methods on how to build a career that integrates with who you are and the life you want to lead. We will explore the social foundation on which to build your transition and an ecological ceiling above which we need not climb so that we live not just for ourselves, but for our collective ability to thrive. Welcome to the Purpose Driven Career Podcast, Do What Matters. Having a master's in public administration science and public policy, Nadine Bender-Branham focused early on toward the new economy with her first job at eBay. After that, she launched the online sales channel of a camera specialist before kicking off her career at Amazon Germany, which at the time was very much an infant state. Over the years in Amazon retail, she worked in many roles, supported and launched various businesses before in late 2020, she took on an additional opportunity in AWS to run the demand generation business for DAC and beyond. Welcome to Do What Matters, the Career Pivot to Purpose podcast. Thanks for inviting me. It's really an honor. So who is Nadine Bender-Branham really? Super simple, right? And I don't want to make a big fuss about myself as a person. I am... Uh, German born and raised. I'm living currently in Munich, but have lived in other places around the globe. But now since I joined Amazon 16 years ago, pretty much in Munich, homebound, I have a, a little son, two cats, live a bit on the outskirts, enjoy my big garden as much as I can, particularly now as we approach into spring and summer. Yeah, that's pretty much um, it. And what sort of background brought you to the technology space? Were you always in sort of engineering background or what, what was your background like? Not at all. I actually come from a completely different background. I studied public administrative services and public policy years ago. And uh, but always had an eye on how to, you know, business and, and stuff like that. And then, you know, 16 years ago, the the world was a bit different compared to what it was uh, today. I mean, there were some smartphones, but not like it was today. Online shopping was really just born. Amazon was about a couple of years old, but not really here yet. So I was like, okay, hey, let's see what the entire internet world is about. I started working at eBay, um, ran then a small startup. And um, after like, 
couple of years in my career, I was like, okay, let's look what Amazon uh, is about. And I started programming the website. Uh, not that I had really any idea, but it was fairly simple. And from then on, I was like, okay, I do it for a year. Let's see what's in there see what I can learn. And then my parents very much encouraged me to find a real job because they couldn't understand what online was about. Yeah. Uh, kind of a funny story when you look back and where we are now propelling 16 years forward, right? Pushing two and a half million employees globally, completely different. When I started Amazon in Germany, we were less than 100 employees back then. And so oh. very, very different. Everybody knew each other, very much connected. Yeah. And then uh, just grew within Amazon a lot, I would say, right? I went into various roles, programming, uh, programmer, program management roles, um, very much then joined uh, sales, ran uh, businesses, managed P&Ls uh, over a really long period of time. So very much stayed into the retail business for over 15 years. And then I was looking for a big career change. And, you know, I always call Amazon the candy store, if you want to call it like that. There is so much that you can do here if you're whatever mm. your uh, passion is, right? And I was looking around, you know, is it something in video? Uh, is it something potentially in our operations world? And then I think it was kind of a potluck. Like, okay, here, what is AWS about? What do they look for? What kind of value could I add there? And what would I learn? So over actually a really short period of time, uh, we nailed it. We found a good, interesting position. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, hey, that might be an interesting one. And here I am one and a half years later running the DAG uh, BD team and um, kind of influencing the entire EMEA CSC organization on uh, how we're shaping the future together. So really exciting. It's a really great story because I love that your background was not at all technology. And it, it makes me reflect on our education systems today and actually, you know, how important is it to come with a background in computer science and math and programming versus to come with some, you know, general business understanding, right? What are your thoughts on that? Very interesting question. And actually, nobody ever asked me about that. So thank you for bringing this up. Because I think there's a big misconception here, which I faced throughout my career, right, that you have to be kind of born or always on a career track. And you cannot be successful unless you are always planning it on a step-by-step -step approach, like you said, right? Go for math, go for computer science, do some university degree on it, and then progress your career on it. I have a different perspective, right, on, on a lot of things, right? Also the same when I entered the retail business, I did not have a classical economics uh, background, if you want to call it like that, yet I still managed really big P&Ls, uh, launch businesses on it. And, I, and, and, and that's, I think, a bit on, you know, the culture that we have to developed also a part of the organization, but particular also at, at Amazon, I would say, is that we allow for that flexibility and thinking, having enjoying different kinds of views and bringing that diversity in our teams that will make us successful and continue to drive success and balance that out. And that's what I personally also look for when I build my teams. But I see other leaders do the same. And those are the ones that are usually the most successful. Now, of course, that doesn't apply for any, for every role, right? I mean, if you are develop if you're a development team you clearly need to have somebody that understands how to program right um but for uh, like more generic kind of broader responsibilities to bring a diverse picture on with diverse backgrounds that definitely helps right at the end yeah. 
you know, we're asked to think and look ahead uh, rather than yeah, potentially doing a lot of very ad hoc operations work on a daily basis, right? And for that, you need to have a diverse background. I want to ask something. I don't know if you've actually seen this movie. I'm going to I'm gonna hazard, I guess, and, mm-hmm. and ask you about it. It's called Picture a Scientist. It's on Netflix. And it's a mm-hmm. very provocative show about the journey of, of women in in science and in education, etc., and how they sort mm-hmm. of, you know, enter evenly, but then exit at a higher rate than men in terms of careers and technology, etc. So what do you think are the top three barriers for women entering sort of technological field? But when I was thinking about this, and you shared some of these questions beforehand, I just want to be transparent also for the listeners, is when I saw this question, it's like, okay, I can give you a very simple answer. But then I was going back and I was like, actually, the answers that I'm going to give apply not only to technology. They hunted me for actually day one when I started my career for to a large extent. And it might have been also the, the field in retail to some extent, particularly like the buying side, very much owned by a male back then, definitely, in particular also the industries I was in. So I think it applies at least for my career across anything I have ever done, right? So when I look back when there was no female leader for a long period of time in any of the teams I worked on, right? All my managers, most of my peers were uh, male. Um, They were setting the tone, uh, very much applied like a specific style of communication, negotiation, um, thinking to, to a large extent, right? And I know that can be a blocker in the sense that some females do not feel entitled, right, to speak up and, and hear and make their voice heard. That's what I had to overcome also, right? Yeah. But I have seen a lot of peers also uh, given up after a given certain experience, uh, certain period of time, right? So I think there is um, still, even today, and we are working hard to overcome this, which is an awesome sign, specific gender bias, I would call it, uh, in a lot of workspaces beyond technology, right? Yeah. It's in technology, but that's not where it stops. When you look at like the classical political leader rounds, right? We see them now on the news show almost every day. How many females do you see usually on those political decisioners, decision maker roundtables? One. It's interesting because I think I think the EU leadership, you know, and and you know, we've also seen in Germany, um, you've had a female leader in the in the political space yep. for quite a long time. And and you know, during the pandemic, we kind of saw the rise of the female leader in a way because they were a lot more decisive about about things that considered people uh, more evenly than economics. And mm-hmm. I don't know what you thought about that. I think it had a lot to do that females, to, to a large extent, are a lot more used to balancing very different needs on an ongoing basis right. uh, to make decisions fast, right? And now I know I, I'm stereotyping, so apologies. But I, I know when, when to, to a large extent, when I speak to a lot of peers and people in my team, but also beyond, right? Most people, most females need to manage family, run the day-to-day home operations, if you want to call it like that, and then need to take care of a team, their day-to-day work. And their 
recovery time as well, right, on an ongoing basis. And that has definitely condensed severely through uh, the, the pandemic that we had to work through. And that year-long training of having to balance different needs, uh, trying to find an equalized approach across, have uh, thankfully triggered a lot of people, a lot of female to be actually become more visible. Great opportunity. Absolutely. And I guess, how did you sort of overcome the barriers of sort of not speaking up? Like you spoke about this as one of the barriers you faced. Mm -hmm. How did you kind of overcome that? I have to admit that I, in, in, uh, in a very early career, I very much adapted a lot to the male kind of communication style, adjusted to that kind of environment um to to make it work somehow right um so uh, leaning in to some extent and and copying that behavior and over and only i would say over the past 5 6 years i have balanced that out as we did see more female leadership coming in for more female uh, role models to a large extent, things that I could actually also have a more balanced view on how other ways it would be to operate something. So you can also call it potentially soften some edges while still, you know, be focused on the things that will make a difference. Um, but it's a, it, uh, it's a hard journey, like balancing that back coming from a very different background. And I am now having a lot of very early talent in my team right now. So we tr try to have a very diverse team also that we are building. And I particular focusing and, and ensuring that we have a severely different balance in communication and how we run specific meetings and become more inclusive compared to what I experienced myself. So I might have a different view out of my own experience, how hard it is then to pivot back and find a more nuanced kind of play. I feel more, I feel still naturally very comfortable still in a mostly male environment, right? But I, I do see severely more benefit coming out on a better diverse table of leaders sitting and uh, I, I do see that benefit so but for me it's still a journey to overcome that for me personally because I've been trained so long in that kind of behavior so personally making sure that my own younger talent doesn't have to go through that painful you know how do I find the balance but rather train them immediately to explore their more diverse backgrounds and bring that forward. I love that you answered in this way because I think not a lot of people admit this, that perhaps they've changed who they were to some extent in the early parts of their career to become the leaders that, that they've, they've become. And, and I think it's it's something interesting. It's something that you still sort of hear mixed reviews on, right? So you still sort of hear people saying to lean in, to present yourself in the same way that, you know, the men around the table will. And right. it's quite a challenge. I think it's quite a challenge for people to find themselves, especially as we're starting to understand diversity in so many different ways, right? Because it's not just male and female. It's yeah. gender non-binary. It's it's transgender. Absolutely. It's racial. It's, it's a number of things. So it's not a simple formula. And I guess the question here is is about allyship, and I don't know I don't know what your thoughts on on how we create greater greater allies in organizations. That's a really good question, right? So they're very ankle. So let me take a very personal ankle potentially to it. So when when you look for allies and pivot away from you know the day to day business needs where you want to achieve a particular goal uh, or need to execute a specific strategy. 
whatever it might be. So I, I will take a different approach. So it's like, so for allies, I, and also as an advice, right, I would look for allies also to help in your personal career development. And there are very different ways that you can do it. I am happy to share how I personally think about this, which might, of course, not be the recipe for all, right? We're all individuals. There's not one size fits all. And But for me, it has always worked to build a network of very trusted people throughout my career that are not, not necessarily working very closely with me, but have over a period of time worked kind of alongside or just only on a small project or a bigger project that I have interactions with. And I'm looking for always particular things that I admire in people. And I use that to get feedback on or exchange on one particular topic with them to get insights. So I know other people have a very different approach. They look for this one, two, three mentors to help throughout their career development. Personally, I do it differently. I do like, if you want to call it like spot checks, right? And mm. spot checks, I don't mean go in, talk something and then go out. It might also take a couple of weeks, months, right, to work mm -hmm. fully through, but on that one aspect only. It helps me personally yeah. to focus on one thing to help in my own growth, right? And then I focus on the next thing. This is how I operate. I know other people operate very differently. And this is where, you know, allyship, um, I don't even want to call it sponsorship, but like, and it's not even friendship, but it's that kind of trusted exchange right. uh, to some extent that is really helpful to build, right? And utilize as you go and progress uh, through easy, but also to a bit more tougher times that we all experience on an ongoing basis. So look out for those when they come along. And there are always some goodness in anybody around that you can admire and you might want to you know, look in how they are thinking about specific things. Yeah. What are some of the problems you're currently excited about solving today? Yeah. So I think like most leaders today, trying to still answer the, the, the difficult question on how we scale, scale our role, scale our teams, scale our impact. And that's a never ending story. Um, how do we do that? Right. Um, so I'm currently very much working on a big strategy I don't want to call it change. It's not necessarily a change approach, but uh, we will require a net new thinking about a lot of things, right? And uh, thinking through the enablers, the governance, the organizational impact, and how to work backwards on that vision three, five years on how to, how should we look like, right? How should we operate? And what we need to do now to to achieve this is super exciting. It's a lot of hard thinking, particularly yeah. as we all know, right? Um, strategies look good at paper. Yeah. And then the real world hits with a lot of obstacles that no matter how good the planning is, um, need to overcome. And this is when the fun starts, right? So uh, grading visions and, you know, how to get there, that's one side, super exciting. But the execution arm on that, and then really to figure out how we can not get overpowered by the day-to-day -day blockers, operation challenges, but still follow that thing that you know is going to be right that's going to make you successful the classical trade-off mid between uh, between mid and long-term success factors these are the things that uh, excite me personally uh, and i enjoy um, every day what resources books podcasts are you relying on today because i think the world is changing quickly uh, a lot of it probably hasn't even been written yet but what are you relying <laughs> on today to, to keep you motivated to keep you on on the path of growth 
Yeah, different things, right? Um, personal network, of course, right? I, I get a lot out of my, my family. Uh, but that set aside, I don't have that one or two sources of truth. I'm a kind of piece meeting together what I like and what I don't like, right? So I, I have to admit I'm a sucker for the Harvard Business Review. So I regularly read it. And then we all know there's different qualities in the in these articles. And no matter what I read, there's always something I can take out. And if it's only this is not how I'm going to do it, that's also already helping me to think and reflect on specific things, right? There's a lot of great podcasts out there that I don't ever listen end to end. So let's see how many people are still here after, what is it, 20 some odd minutes today? But I use this mostly just for triggering my own thought. It's like, this is a super interesting aspect, right? And so I'm not relying on this one source, and I'm sure nobody does anymore. But there's a lot of good inspirational things on LinkedIn or other profession network sites. There's a great books that you can read. And then there's always this great Harvard Business Library that I always just like, you know, get bits and pieces out of and then start chewing on some things. And if I find something that is then something that I'm personally looking into or looking for, so then I start digging deeper and then look for something that helps me to expand on that particular one. Do you focus on your strengths or your weaknesses? I, yeah, I focus more on my weaknesses, to be fair. Um, not so much on my strengths because I always take them for granted. But for me personally, and, and uh, you know, how we do career discussions and so on, right? The focus on one of the, I don't want to call them weaknesses, I want to call them opportunities, right? Have allowed me then to turn some of those really around as they were, I want to call them blocker, but they were definitely there as uh, not necessarily helping me to grow. So singles, single focus on one or two of those challenges over a long period of time because some of those are very much ingrained into us as a person requires severe time to change right change behavior and make sure that you don't fall back in stressful situations to actually turn you know challenges or opportunities into into they will never become your super strength, right? But to, they will be stronger in you. And it's something that I'm personally very proud of. I will never be able to address them all, right? Um, but there's definitely some things. So personally, I'm, I'm always focusing to become better uh, rather than just, you know, looking at the things I'm already good at. Thank you so much, Nadine, for your time this morning. Any final or closing words you'd like to share with the listeners today? I absolutely enjoy talking to you, Catherine, uh, today. And for everybody that is interested to keep in touch with me, feel free to send me an email or connect on LinkedIn. Super happy for any exchange, answer any questions or anything else that I can help with. Thank you so much. This episode was brought to you today by the Courageous Career Club. Have you picked up your own copy of Do What Matters, the Purpose Driven Career Transition Guidebook? To find out how you can get your copy, as well as resources that go alongside it, visit my website, www.catherineannbyam.com or engage with me on the socials. I'm looking forward to hearing from you.